when you have great coaches, then after you have great coaches, you get great players. You have a great organization, and you tell them one thing. Just win, David. listening to just pod baby a las vegas raiders podcast brought to you by silverandblacktoday.com and now your host evan Grote. and let's go raider nation and welcome back you are listening to just pod baby i'm your host evan Grote, and this episode is brought to you by silver and black today your home for everything las vegas raiders make sure you're tuning in every day 2 to 4 p.m pacific time 5 to 7 for those of you on the east coast to raider nation radio 9 20 a.m in las vegas you can listen on the TuneIn app as well. Scott and Q are doing a great job over there, bringing us all kinds of great content. And the great thing about it is, guys, you can chime in. They take calls each and every day, so get involved. I've got a busy show planned for you this week. i got two guests lined up. First, we will hear from B.D. Williams, who is a contributor at Just Blog Baby, and also he is one of the hosts for his own. It's a new show, new YouTube podcast called Tape Don't Lie. It's a great show. I subscribe to it. I recommend you all do the same as well. Uh, he is an expert with the film breakdown, so we're gonna we're gonna bring him on and we're gonna discuss the defense. Uh, and also later in the show, I will be chatting with Jim McBride of the Boston Globe. Jim will get us a good feel for the Patriots, and I've got a lot I want to ask him. I'm gonna get you a real nice preview of what to expect from the Patriots. Now at the top, I will give you a quick preview of the Patriots roster. We'll kind of go through uh, some of their their top guys and maybe what we can expect from them, followed by a look at the Thursday injury report, as I like to do each and every week, and then we will get right to our guests. So that is kind of a little rundown of what you're going to hear uh, on the Week 3 preview episode of Just Pod Baby. Now, speaking of the Patriots, uh, this is where we're going to begin tonight. I want to I want to start the show off by 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 taking a look at their first two games, and we will also take a look at their roster on both sides of the ball. Some key matchups as well, and and I have some audio from um, Coach Bill Belichick that I want to play for you as well. Now, the Pats they look a lot different this year, and I'm not just talking about at the quarterback position. They had a league high eight players opt out this season due to concerns with COVID nineteen, including. Uh, linebacker Donta Hightower and safety Patrick Trung, who who are longtime staples in that Patriots defense. So definitely not, uh, definitely those two guys are not slouches. They're big time players on this defense. Now, those of you who saw the Sunday night game between the Patriots and and the Seahawks this past week, you saw yourself a really good football game. I was uh, actually just watching some of the film myself before I started recording tonight. You saw how dangerous the Patriots are right now. In my opinion, Seattle is was one of the favorites in the NFC to to uh, reach the Super Bowl, and the Patriots went toe to toe with them. Came down to the final play, uh, coming up short on the on the one yard line. This is going to be a great challenge for the Raiders, but it's also going to be a great uh, measuring tool. We saw how well the Raiders played in, in Week Two versus the Saints. That's another very good defense. Um, did not play so well in Week One, so I think you're going to get a good idea of where this team stands after this Week Three matchup. Now, we know the greatness of Bill Belichick, and like I said, I do have a, an audio clip from him in one of his press conferences from, from earlier earlier in the week, um, but but this team all starts with the play of Cam Newton right now. He He's playing very, very well. I think he's, he's, he's surprising a lot of people. Anyone who thought Cam was washed up, he's making... Uh, 
us look very foolish. Um, right now, he he's healthy. You can see that he's full of confidence. He he's on a mission. It seems this year. He, he you can tell that he was really um, insulted that he, he he it took him so long to to draw the interest of a team. And I think that the the small contract that he got is it's all you know it's, it's just putting a chip on his shoulder. Uh, the the offensive coordinator in New England, Josh McDaniels, is is really utilizing Cam's greatest attributes, and that is his ability as a runner. That has been something that has always kind of um, made Newton stand out. Was just he's such a big man, and you know, so deadly as a runner. And they're really utilizing that right now with with Cam, especially in the red zone. He's been very good in the red zone through two games. Newton is the Patriots' leading rusher. He leads the team in, in yardage, attempts, and touchdowns. In fact, he has four touchdowns, which leads the whole NFL right now. So um, he's got more rushing touchdowns than Josh Jacobs, in fact. Um, so he, he's very much involved in that run game. And we will uh, talk to uh, Jim McBride, as I said, and we're going to ask him a lot about that as well. Now, as a passer, he's also getting it done. Just the other night, I believe it was 378 yards passing. So, uh, you know, the arm talent is still there as well. He's completing 71% of his passes. And that has been kind of a knock on Cam throughout the years is his accuracy, but looks to be much improved so far this season. He's got 552 yards on the season, only one touchdown pass, but yeah. Yeah, he's definitely he's definitely off to a, a really good start. Now the running back rotation uh, is a bit of a conundrum right now, as it always is when New England. It's one of those if you play fantasy football, you always try to avoid the Patriots backfield because you never know what it's going to look like from a week to week basis. Um, we will ask Jim McBride about that as well. They do have Sony Michelle, who's been the starter, uh, but he's second on the team in carries with only seventeen. Um, and last week, uh, he was out-snapped, or I shouldn't say last week, but on the season, he has been out-snapped by Rex Burkhead, 70 snaps to 34 snaps. So uh, kind of an odd thing going on there. Um, uh, Michelle's numbers, he's he's only has 17 attempts on the season for 56 yards, so he really hasn't done a whole lot uh, this season. But 17 attempts and only 34 snaps, so that's ha- you know half the time he's in there, he's getting the ball. Uh, Rex Burkhead, 13 rushing attempts for 34 yards. Burkhead is, is, is much more of a receiving back. I, one of the things I've noticed that they were doing with him a lot in that Seattle game is in the screen game, and I know that James White was not available last week due to the death of his father. That's just such a, a sad tragedy. Um, but And I'm not sure if, if White will, will play this week as well, so you might see Burkhead involved a lot in the passing game, the screen game as well. So uh, that's a little bit about the backfield. Now, as far as the pass catchers are concerned for the Patriots, it's Julian Edelman is the number one target. He has 13 receptions on 18 targets for 236 yards. He's coming off that uh, career day out in Seattle. And the number two guy for Newton is Nikhil Harry, who was the number one uh, first-round draft pick from a year ago. He also is tied for the team lead with 13 receptions, also 18 targets, 111 yards. Neither one of these guys have a, has a touchdown uh, receiving. Uh, and then the third guy is someone who I'm not real familiar with, Demary Bird. He has six catches uh, for 72 yards. All six of those catches and all of those that yardage came last week in Seattle. They're not getting a whole lot from the tight end, which is... You know, strange to th- say that when you talk about the Patriots because of the success they had at the tight end position for so many years with uh, Aaron Hernandez and and Rob Gronkowski. But Ryan Izzo is the tight end. 
not a lot of production out of him. Three catches for 44 yards. So, you know, when you look at this receiving group on paper, you kind of got to scratch your head and you wonder, geez, I mean, it, it doesn't look that impressive on paper. Uh, I don't expect this, this to be a group that, you know, will, will kind of overpower that, that Raiders secondary. So I expect the, the secondary to play well this week. Um, flipping over to the, the defensive side of the ball uh, for the Patriots, we know that the Patriots are always going to field a good defense as long as Bill Belichick is out there, you know, kind of calling the shots. You know, he's not the defensive coordinator, but, you know, he is going to be very much involved in the defense and the game plans each week. Um, As far as the pass rush goes, Chase Winovich, uh, young guy out of Michigan, who I really liked coming out, he kind of anchors that, that defensive line. And, you know, we talked about some of the losses they had due to the COVID opt-outs with with Hightower and Patrick Chung, but they still have a very good secondary uh, led by uh, last year's Defensive Player of the Year. And I'm, I'm oh, Stephon Gilmore. I was drawing a blank on his name. But, yeah, Gilmore, he's he's great. He's a shutdown guy out there. Uh, they also have McCordy in the back end who caught a pick six last week. So, you know, a lot of guys on here that might not be household names. Adrian Phillips leads the team in tackles with 15 we got a couple other guys on. Uh, I'm looking at the roster who you know aren't going to jump off the page at you, but again, they're always going to be coached up well with Bill Belichick, and uh, you can expect uh, you know a, a good a good game from this defense. Uh, I do see uh, you know Sh- Shalik uh, Calhoun, former Raider. He's still in the league. I didn't even realize he was still in the league. And, and in fact, he leads. It looks like he leads the Patriots in sacks. Well, he's second. He's got one sack on the year. So he 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 uh, surprised to see him still in the league and uh, you know doing well for himself. But yeah, so that's a, that's a quick rundown of, of the Patriots defense. I'll give you some team numbers here real quick. Uh, back to the offense for the Patriots passing yardage. They're eighth in the league right now with 268 yards passing per game. Uh, they're tied. Uh, let's see, tied for ninth with rushing yards, 142 yards a game. So they're, they they run the ball pretty well, and of course, a, a, a big chunk of that is from Cam Newton. Uh, points for, they're averaging 25 points a game, 25 and a half points a game, which is tied for 15th in the league, and points against 23 a game, uh, which ranks them 19th. So they're not giving up a ton of points. It's only been two games, and they did only give up 11 points uh, the first week of the season to the Dolphins. So... That's kind of your rundown, your breakdown of, of the Patriots roster. And what I want to do next real quick before we go to our first break is take a, a look at the injury report for both teams. I do have that pulled up here. We'll start with the Patriots. Uh, they had two guys that did not practice. Their their starting center, David Andrews, did not participate with a hand injury. Um, I'm not sure the extent of that injury, if it's something that would keep him out this week or not, but obviously monitor the the scout, uh, the the injury report as we go into tomorrow and Saturday. Running back James White, um, again, that's not injury related due to the death of his father. He's missed back to back days of practice right now. I would be surprised if he played just because, uh, or if he is active, how large of a role he will have. Uh, limited availability. Uh, defensive lineman Adam Butler with a shoulder. I'm uh, not sure how much of a role Butler plays in that team. Uh, linebacker Brian Brandon Copeland, who I know plays a very large role, he's he's limited with a knee. Uh, rookie defensive back Kyle 
Duggar, who I was really high on coming out of the draft this year. Uh, he has an ankle. Edelman has a knee. Harry, Mikhail Harry with an ankle. And another rookie, uh, Josh Uchek, I believe is how you pronounce it, or Ushic, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, uh, with a foot. And he was not active last week. I think this would be his first appearance of the season if he is made available. So that's your that's what we have for the Patriots. Nothing real major. It looks like I would expect Edelman and, and, and Harry and Copeland all to play. As far as the Raiders are concerned, there's a lot of guys banged up for the for the Raiders right now, and you have to wonder how much longer can these injuries continue to build up with this, and how how long will this team be able to to sustain these injuries? They had a few guys who did not participate, some big names. We know Trent Brown still dealing with that calf. I don't expect him to play. Uh, Denzel Good, which is really concerning, who has played nicely in relief of Trent Brown. He did not participate, I believe, two days in a row now. Um, Denzel Good has a thumb, and he's dealing with some sort of illness as well. Josh Jacobs, with a hip, he did not participate, and that's the second day in a row now he didn't participate as, uh, in either. We we saw him uh, leave the game, missed a few plays with that hip. He did finish the game, so I'm not real concerned. It's, it's probably more just taking it, uh, taking it easy with him, being very cautious. Uh, I would expect him to play linebacker Nick Kwiatkowski with that peck. I do not expect him to play. And then tight end Darren Waller was also on the report, did not practice. So I, I would assume that it's more of a precaution with him as well, much like Jacobs. They're the you know two biggest weapons, Jacobs and Waller. They're definitely going to baby those guys as much as they have to. Limited availability, wide receiver Brian Edwards with a foot. Uh, Henry Ruggs with a knee, and now he's also listed with a hamstring, so you wonder how healthy he is. I did hear Scott today on Silver and Black Today talking about he, Scott was at practice today, he watched part of practice, and he said Ruggs looked fine, so who knows what's going on there, and Sam Young was back at practice, he was limited with that groin injury, so uh, we'll just have to keep an eye on, on Jacobs and Waller. And good. Those are the big ones. Again, I don't expect Brown or Kwiatkowski to play. So that's your injury report uh, on Thursday. Uh, We're going to take a quick break, but before we do that, uh, I want to talk about this great product from Manscaped. The Manscaped engineering team has spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Their third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to advanced skin-safe technology pioneered by Manscaped. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. The waterproof technology allows you to groom in the shower. One of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. If you are listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Trim that junk of yours. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code PODBABY at manscaped.com. Trust me, your balls will thank you.
And we're back on Just Pod Baby. I'm your host, Evan Grote, and this is the week three preview episode of Just Pod Baby. The Las Vegas Raiders are taking on the New England Patriots this weekend. The, the 2-0 Raiders versus the 1-1 New England Patriots. It'll definitely be a... Um, a statement game for the Raiders. I think coming off of the big win last week, they could really follow that up with another big win uh, on the road against a, a very solid team in the New England Patriots. Now, I promised at the top of the show that I would get to some audio from Bill Belichick, so I'm going to play that for you right now, and then I'll give you a, a, kind of my, my two cents on it. Here's uh, Bill Belichick talking about Raiders tight end Darren Waller. Yeah, well, that's the challenge of players like that. You know, that are versatile players that can, um, you know, create problems in in different ways. And then, you know, the utilization of a player like that by Coach Gruden, by his, uh, the way he uh, does different things with them. And, um, you know, John's very creative and does an excellent job of, you know, utilizing all of his personnel. Uh, So those, you know, those are the challenges that we face. So um, it's definitely not just, you know, one thing or a number of things you got to deal with and be ready for. And so we'll, uh, you know, just try to look at all of them and and put ourselves in the best position we can. But he's, you know, he's a very productive player. He's got a good set of skills and um, uh, he's a hard guy to handle. Now, the reason I chose that piece of audio is because one of uh, Belichick's greatest um, abilities as, as a defensive coach is to be able to identify a player on the opposing team who he believes poses the biggest threat, and he has you know, been able to take that player out and really make it the, his defense's focus to not allow that guy to beat you. Obviously, Darren Waller is coming off a, a really, really dominant performance with 12 catches for over 100 yards and a touchdown, and to me... Waller will be the guy that Belichick tries to take out of this game and um, of course he could also try to take out Josh Jacobs as well those are the two main threats when you look at the Raiders offense so it'll be interesting to see whether or not Belichick does make Waller a big part of the game plan but one thing that makes me feel better about uh, going into this game is that Derek Carr has shown that he will spread the ball and he can he can win with with multiple receivers they're not just relying on one guy Waller is the go-to guy, but if the Patriots do try to lock him down, um, then they can still, you know, get the ball to other guys like Ruggs and, and Edwards and, and Aguilar, Zay Jones, Morrow, or excuse me, Moreau, and and Josh Jacobs coming out of the backfield. So there's there's that that is the beauty of this Raiders offense this year. There are so many weapons, and 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 although Waller is Carr's security blanket, there are plenty of other guys who can who can make plays within this offense. All right, we're going to go out to the phone lines now. We're going to welcome in our first guest tonight. If you aren't following this man on Twitter, do yourself a favor right now. Make sure you go out and follow this guy at BD Williams eighteen. He is a film junkie. He's a contributor at Just Blog Baby, and he hosts. Uh, he's one of the hosts of his, of his own YouTube podcast, along with his partner, Mark John. Uh, the name of the show is Tape Don't Lie. I subscribe to the YouTube channel myself. I love it. I can't get enough of it. Let's say hello to B.D. Williams. Hey, Evan. How you doing, man? Thanks a lot. That's a great introduction. BD, thanks for Frank. Thanks for uh, hopping on the line with me this week. I love what you and Mark are doing over there with your show, because in my opinion, football is is a very complex game, and not everyone understands the X's and the O's behind it. I know myself, I don't. I, you know, I know very little. I thought I knew a lot until I started watching guys like yourself do breakdowns. So, um, you know, there's a lot going on with all the different defenses and all the concepts on offenses. It's just a very, very complex game. 
And as I said, it's an area that I thought I knew a lot about, but I don't. And I'm trying to learn more about it my, in myself. So you and Mark, you do a great job of, of teaching and explaining the game. So, you know, I commend you guys on the on the job you're doing over there. Uh, real quick, if you don't mind, BD, tell us a little bit about your background in the game of football and how you became not only a, a student of the game, but such a great teacher of the game. Um, well, yeah, actually, that's a great question. Thanks, Evan. Um, well, I played football my entire life. And uh, I was uh, lucky enough to play in college uh, for a few years before I blew my knee out. Um, and it just so happened that the team that I was on, I played at uh, Division One AA at Stony Brook University. And we had a coaching staff um, who, you know, implemented what was called the four-two-five defense. And this is back in like 2008, 2009. And um, little did I know, but this was like more on like on the cutting edge of what college uh, football was doing to stop like the spread passing attack. Uh, so I kind of was given, you know, like this, uh, you know, in-depth uh, training on like these, uh, this kind of scheme uh, when it was, you know, in its kind of formative, formative years. Um, but after I hurt my knee and I couldn't play football anymore, I was still addicted to the game. And uh, so I just, you know, find, found every re- resource that I possibly could. If it was like playbooks, if it was blogs, that talked about football and I just, you know, continued to educate myself um, about, um, you know, the game. And then to your second point, when you're talking about like teaching football, I actually uh, have been a career educator uh, up to this point in, in my life. So for like the last, uh, I guess, 11 years, I've worked in education. Um, and, you know, uh, so I understand, you know, how to, uh, you know, break things down and to explain it, especially to adults, because that's my specialty is uh, training adults, training teachers. Uh, so, you know, that's kind of, it, it works hand in hand. You know, I've always studied the f- a game of football and I have professional experience teaching uh, adults. So it kind of works like that. That's awesome. I've been in education myself since 2000, 2007. So uh, that explains a lot about your ability to explain things, uh, definitely. Now, now, uh, BD, uh, I want to get some... I know you're the defensive uh, breakdown guy on your, on your podcast. So I want to focus in on the defense. And I want to talk about the performance on Monday night. And I know we're kind of moving on to week three already. But I do want to just kind of backtrack a bit. Uh, because I think when many people look at the score, they say, wow, you know, not 24 points, uh, 24 points to the saying it's not not too bad but now that you've had a chance to watch the film what was your overall assessment of the performance on on uh, monday night yeah i think it's pretty similar to um week one against the panthers there's just um not consistent enough uh, discipline on defense i would say it seems like you know you're gonna have you know guys at every level freelancing a bit um giving up you know the edge in the run game or taking a bad angle, trying to make a, a big play in pursuit. And uh, I just think that the discipline has not quite been there yet. And even though, you know, uh, you know, there was a, a, they scored 30 points in week one, the, def, uh, the defense gave it 30 points in week one, and then 24 against the Saints. I really think that the penalties and a lot of drop balls by the Saints receivers contributed more to that score than anything that the defense did, to be quite honest with you. Now, I think it's fair to say after the first two games, the biggest area of disappointment has to be with that pass rush after all the hype from the offseason with the additions of Collins and Nassib, the added weight by Farrell, getting Key back healthy, and of course the addition of Rod uh, Marinelli. But largely, the group's been a disappointment, at least in my opinion. Based on what you're seeing on film, though, uh, why is it that this group is struggling to generate pressure on a consistent basis? 
Yeah, this is something that I have to talk to Raiders fans and try to educate them about um, quite a lot is Paul Gunther is the type of defensive coordinator and there's many like him in the NFL who are they're going to, you know, do things schematically, like, for instance, taking the defensive end and putting them inside the tight end or even inside the tackle to stop the run first and the types of schemes that Paul Gunther, uh, Paul Gunther runs, especially on first downs or on rundowns, to stop the run really doesn't help pass rushers get after the quarterback. So I would say that there's only really a small handful of times when they're really peeling, uh, you know, pinning their ears back and taking off after the quarterback in like third and long situations. So there's just not a, a lot of at-bats. And uh, I wouldn't expect there to be much of a pass rush against uh, the Patriots this week either because they're just going to be a heavy run team. Um, you know, that threat of Cam Newton running the ball also, you know, is going to require them to do some different things. If that means, uh, you know, things like a gap exchange, first of all, which is like where a defensive end slants inside and then the linebacker goes and takes his gap, things like that to stop option quarterbacks. Um, again, that will hurt the pass rush. I don't think that you'll really see the Raiders pin their ears back and attack the, pa- the passer until we get a team that doesn't have a great rushing attack. First week, it's Christian McCaffrey, then it's Alvin Kamara, now it's Cam Newton. So, you know, these first three weeks, Paul Gunther is really going to be focused on stopping the run, and I don't think that the emphasis is going to be on rushing the passer quite yet. That's interesting stuff there, and I, and I hope that the, the listeners out there can kind of you know sleep a little bit easier at night knowing that this is part of the design schematically. It's not necessarily players not performing. Now, I also know that part of your uh, on your podcast, you chart all these defensive snaps as part of your show, and I want to talk about, um, again, maybe some of the issues that the defense is having uh, when blitzing from a, a single high safety cover one look, I heard you talking about that on your latest show. So I thought that was really insightful. And I, I thought it would be good for you to share with, with my listeners because I, again, most people who have a basic understanding of the game, like myself, I just assume, okay, you're not getting enough pressure on the quarterback, just rushing four. maybe you want to send an extra guy or two, but, but you know, with a blitz, but, but why has that been a, a problematic for the Raiders? This is actually going back to to the very beginning of Paul Gunther taking over as defensive coordinator for the Raiders. They have been a big cover one team. And just for the people who are listening, cover one means um, you have, you know, your corners, man to man on the outside. You have a nickelback. He's going to be man on the slot. You have a linebacker who will be man on, um, you know, like a running back. And a strong safety will be man on a tight end. And then that additional linebacker will be, a free uh, called a low hole player in the middle of the field. And then you also have a deep safety. Okay. And then there's a four man rush. So we just talked about 11 people right there. Uh, When they blitz out of single high, you have to send one or two of those linebackers. And now you lose that defender in the middle of the field. Who's, you know, there to take away any kind of in breaking routes. And as long as Paul Gunther has been here, when they send a blitz and they're running, a, you know, a, a deep safety and it's, you know, still kind of like a cover one blitz or a single high blitz that we're talking about, they have been gashed against, uh, you know, down the middle when they are running single high. You know, if Raiders fans remember the Indianapolis game, uh, where at the very end of the game, uh, they get off, Jacoby Brissett gets off that pass to Eric Ebron and, you know, Indianapolis almost goes and scores and ties the game or wins the game or whatever it is at the end. That's against a single high uh, uh, 
blitz, you know, all, all these passes that we saw across the middle that Drew Brees was completing, those were against single high blitzes uh, on Monday night. It's just something that has not ever really worked. Um, and I, you know, I don't know what the solution is besides just not running that kind of coverage on top of blitzes anymore. BD Williams joins us on Just Pod Baby, one of the hosts of the Tape Don't Lie podcast on YouTube. Do yourself a favor, go check that out. Uh, I do want to ask you a little bit about the coverages while we're on the topic. Uh, again, going back to you charting all these plays, what types of coverages are you seeing Gunther call the most so far in these first two games, and, and which ones do you think have been the most successful? Well, so uh, surprisingly, um, since I've started charting the Raiders defense going back a couple years now, uh, since Paul Gunther start, uh, took over, you know, they've been a, um, predominantly a, a cover one team, meaning there's man coverage and then a single high safety. And then when they run zone, they'll run um, either cover two or they'll run a combination where they run a cover four on one side of the field and a cover two on the other side of the field. And that's kind of like been their bread and butter. They either go single high or they do this kind of um, split safety zone type of defense. Um, the, a big schematic shift, though, seems to be, however, that the Raiders are running a lot, a lot, a lot of cover three this year. Um, so I think that's kind of interesting because you got Damon Arnett. He's a press corner coming out of college. you got Trayvon Mullen. He's really a press corner. And now we're asking them to play seven yards off, backpedaling and, and you know, keying the quarterback. So it's a big, um, I would say, technique difference than playing press man on the outside. Uh, so I think that's a little interesting. But uh, surprisingly, it probably has been the Raiders' uh, best coverage so far this year. Is has been cover three. Now, I do want to look ahead you now to week three a little bit. I got a couple questions for you about the Patriots. Uh, they're playing real well right now, despite the loss to Seattle. The offense looks really good. Cam looks to be playing extremely motivated right now, and it all goes through him on their offense. Uh, we talked a little bit about Cam, but w- what types of problems does he present to the Raiders' defense, especially in the red zone? I know you talked about the, the gap exchanges as, as being one of the ways they could look to attack the, the Patriots, but is there anything else? Yeah, so I, I would say that uh, there has been a lack of de- like a lack of attention to detail uh, for the defense so far through these two games, and no scheme will take advantage of that more than when you have a running threat as a, as a quarterback. It really puts this, uh, you know, the onus on the defense to really, everyone needs to take care of their job, not worry about freelancing, not worry about making a play, just taking care of their job. Because when you have that additional running threat of a quarterback, you know, it's, it's making you play um, very, very honest on defense. So, uh, you know, I, I am a little worried about the, about the threat that Cam Newton does present because obviously, you know, he's got a great arm and he's a fantastic talent running, running the football. So he's really a true, true, true dual threat um, in today's game. And, you know, his favorite receiver so far this year has been Edelman and Edelman has been feasting over the middle, which is, exact, is exactly where the Raiders have struggled uh, defending the pass so far. So uh, I'm really anxious to see if there's going to be some kind of tweaks that the Raiders do schematically, but more importantly, um, the Raiders, you know, stop kind of freelancing, control their, you know, can get get their eyes on their guy, trust their keys, trust their teammates to do their job, and not have to worry about jumping into a gap when you're de- when you're, you know, when your teammate has that gap. Uh, just more attention to detail on the defense because, you know, this is going to be their biggest test so far this year. I uh, just got one more for you, uh, BD. You're doing a great job now. Um, 
again, this goes back to Cam Newton. He leads the team in, in rushing attempts, yardage, and and touchdowns. I've been hearing a lot of people. T- I know that's that's crazy thinking that he's a quarterback, uh, but a lot of people have talked about the possibility of, of maybe wanting to see Gunther use kind of like a uh, like a shadow, a player to kind of follow him all over the field, I guess. Do you think that's something that, you know, maybe Gunther would look to do? And, and if so, do you think that would be a, a successful, uh, you know, way to go about attacking uh, Newton? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think any, any defense is going to, you know, try to mix up their looks and see if there's different... Uh, situations where they could maybe put a safety as a spy or an awkward linebacker as a spy, you know, um, I, I certainly expect them to, you know, kind of rush three guys and, and drop a defensive end to, you know, worry about um, the running threat that uh, Cam Newton presents. So I think that I wouldn't be surprised at all to see it. I think Corey Littleton has the speed to keep up with uh, Cam Newton. And uh, it's, possible that we might see John Abram, you know, kind of uh, be used in that role. That would definitely be something to keep your eye on, Raider Nation. All right, that is B.D. Williams. You can follow him on Twitter at B.D. Williams 18. Go subscribe to the YouTube channel, Tape Don't Lie. And also, you know, go out and follow his partner, his other host, his co-host on the show there, at the Mark John NFL, and that is Mark, M-A-R-C, not with a K. And I'm going to get him on one of these days as well to talk about the offense. Uh, trust me, you guys will not be disappointed with the content these guys are putting out for you. So uh, enjoy that. B.D., keep doing what you're doing, man, and I appreciate you coming on. Thanks, Evan. I appreciate it, man. Take care. And we are back here on Just Pod Baby. We're going to bring in our second guest of uh, right now, Mr. Jim McBride, Patriots beat writer for the Boston Globe. Jim, thanks for giving us some of your time tonight. You bet, Evan. Glad to be here. I want to start with uh, something that I'm, I'm sure you've been asked quite a bit during your, your time covering the Patriots, but but I have to ask you about Belichick. His press conferences are, are legendary. What is it like to cover a coach like him, and, and does it does he make it hard for you to do your job because he doesn't like to put a lot out there to the media? Uh, the, the word I always use is educational. Uh, you know, covering this team, uh, you know, they're, they're all about – being prepared. And I think coach Belichick expects his players to be prepared. And I think he expects the media to be prepared. You know, he, when you ask a legitimate uh, football question, you're going to get a legitimate football answer from coach Belichick. And, and oftentimes you're going to get a history lesson at the same time, because you're, he's going to tell you things that that you didn't know. Um, He's going to tell you things that you never even thought of. And he's going to, you know, uh, you know, bring to light a lot of things that, that maybe you weren't aware of, um, as long as you show that you're doing your homework, um, you know, certainly the, the team has a reputation for, for being a little buttoned down, but, um, if you do your homework and dig in, uh, I think you find that, that you get a lot out of his answers. Now, if you ask, you know, injury questions or, or things like that, that, that's when you're not going to get a lot because no coach wants to give out, you know, a ton of injury information, especially if a guy is, um, you know, on the bubble that he might play or he might not play. Now, if it's a, if it's a, you know, injury where clearly a guy's not going to play, that's a different story. But if you're asking an injury as far as a, a guy's availability for that weekend, you know, that's when you're not going to get a, a great answer. And, and that's those are usually the clips that make sports center. 
<laughs> yeah, I, and I, I do I do enjoy seeing those. <laughs> All right, let, let's start with the offense. Obviously, Cam Newton, he's off to a great start. He, he's been better than I think anyone could have hoped in New England. Uh, he's been heavily involved in the ground game, leading the team in, in rushing attempts, yardage, touchdowns. Uh, he has 26 attempts on the year right now. Do you expect that high volume of, of running to continue, or do you think McDaniels will try to limit some of the wear and tear on Newton as the season goes on? Yeah, I think, you know, as they've always been since since McDaniels has been the offensive coordinator, I think they'll continue to be a game plan team. And it's kind of whatever works for that week and whatever is, you know, whatever is best suited to go against that defense for that for that week is what you're going to see. Now, if that calls, you know, you've already seen two different kind of offenses from the Patriots already this season against Miami. It was a ground and pound and Cam ran a bunch of times and, you know, I had 75 or 76 yards rushing. Um, I don't think they felt like they could do that against Seattle. So that's why Cam, you know, threw for almost 400 yards. So uh, I, I think, you know, in an ideal world, like most coaches, they'd like a night to strike a nice balance, but they're not going to, they're not going to be one of these teams that says, you know what, we're, we're a ground team. We're going to try and stuff it down your throat every single week, or we're a pass, passing team. We're going to try and throw for 500 yards a game. They're going to game plan specific um, kind of the way they've always been for the last 20 years with Brady there. Um, they want to know what the defense does and, and how to best attack them. And if it's to run the ball 40 times, um, they'll do that. And if it's to pass the ball 55 times, they'll do that. So um, it's going to be a week-to-week thing with them. But certainly they'd love to strike some kind of balance where they can, they can lean on either the passing or the running game, uh, depending on the situation. Yeah, I want to ask you about the roles in the backfield right now. I know that Sony Michelle is the starter. Uh, he has started both games, but but Rex Burkhead has been more involved uh, from a snap point pers- uh, snap count perspective. As you mentioned, through the years, Belichick has always been very game plan specific with his running backs, especially. How can we expect to see the running backs to be used versus the Raiders this weekend? Yeah, it's 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 going to be a lot of a lot more Rex Burkhead. I think you'll see. And a lot of J.J. Taylor, who was the undrafted rookie, um, you know, unfortunately, James White suffered a, a huge tragedy last week with the, the passing of his father and uh, in a car accident. So I don't think he'll be available this week. He's, he's missed practice all week. Uh, he's a guy that is normally involved heavily in that offense, particularly in the passing game. Um, he's a he's a first down machine, especially on third downs. Uh, so I think, you know, Rex Burkhead will probably take up some of that role where he's he's more of an unpredictable back. He can he can run it. And he can catch and, and he can pass pro a little bit too. And, you know, Sony's been this kind of guy that has been your first and second down back because he's really uh, he's really a runner. He's not really a guy that's a polished pass catcher or a guy that picks up the blitz as well as some of the other Patriot backs have in the past. So um, I think that, that ideally they'd love to establish some kind of, you know, ground game on early downs first and second with Sony. But, you know, Sony has struggled really since, since the playoff run two years ago when they when they beat the Rams in the Super Bowl and he ran for, you know, six touchdowns during that playoff run, um, he's really struggled with injuries and, and, you know, inconsistencies in the offensive line last year. So, you know, I think that they'd love to get him up to speed completely and see that guy that ran so well the second half of his rookie year. Patriots beat writer Jim McBride of the Boston Globe joins us on Just Pod Baby. I want to talk a little bit about the receivers here for the Patriots. Clearly, Julian Edelman and Nikhil Harry uh, are the top two targets for Newton. We know what to expect from Edelman. He's a great receiver. But what can you tell us about Harry? I know he dealt with some injuries last season, but what are some of the things that he does well? And if you don't mind, tell me a little bit about this kid, Bird, as well. 
Sure. So Nikhil is, um, you know, he's a very physical player. Uh, hasn't really, you know, hasn't really gone on track completely yet as, as, a, as you would expect a first round or two, but um, you know, has been gaining confidence every week. And I think that, you know, that injury sidetracked him last year. And then when he came back, um, you know, he had missed so much practice time. I don't think he had the time to um, fully develop Brady's trust last year. And that kind of hindered his development as well. Um, Cam has kind of taken him under his weak wing, kind of a, a little brother, uh, you know, situation in camp. And they've been growing chemistry. Um, you know, he had probably the biggest catch of his career last last week against Seattle when he, he caught that kind of in route. And then he got blasted by Condre Diggs, and, uh, who ended up getting ejected for the game. But I think he showed a lot of toughness, you know, popping right back up and, and playing the rest of that game. So I think he's going to be a work in progress. Every week you're going to see him get better and better. And in college, he was known as a, a physical guy who uh, would win those 50-50 balls down the field. He's not a speed burner by any means. He, he gains his separation through physicality. And, you know, maybe he hasn't gotten – uh, used to the physical, the, the uptick in physicality at the pro level, but I think you will see that. Uh, Demir Bird's a, a slippery little guy who, who really turned a lot of heads in camp. I was at every camp practice, and he was he was a guy that kept standing out day after day. Um, you know, he had been with Cam in, in Carolina for a few years before he went to Arizona for a year, so he had a little bit of a chemistry with him there. Um, he runs about a 10, he runs about 10 miles a game in decoy patterns, but last week people finally got to see him catch some balls. He's really good on the back shoulder throws. Uh, he can stop on a dime. Um, you know, he's, he's going to be another guy that, that surprises a lot of people this year. Yeah, let's switch over to the defense now. They've they've had to deal with some some losses due to due to a couple guys opting out uh, of the season due to the COVID nineteen pandemic. But they still got enough pieces over there to get it done. Where do the strengths lie on this unit based on what you've seen in the first two games? You know, clearly the secondary is is still one of the best in the uh, in the NFL, uh, led by you know Devin McCourty and the the reigning defensive player of the year, Stephon Gilmore, corner. You know, uh, Steph kind of takes away half the field. And it kind of erases your best receiver, uh, you know, week in and week out. Um, a lot, kind of a, lot, a big deal was made last week when he gave up that big uh, touchdown pass to DK Metcalf. But if you watch the film, like Steph was right there in coverage. Uh, uh, Russell Wilson just threw an absolute dime. And sometimes the, the quarterback wins in that battle. But, yeah, I'd say the secondary is definitely the strength. And then you move to the front line where, where Adam Butler and, and Lawrence Guy have, have, have been outstanding for a couple of years now. Um, going back to the, the COVID losses, you know, they lost Dante Hightower, who was kind of the heart and soul of that defense. They lost Patrick Chung, but on top of that, they lost, uh, they lost almost their entire linebacking court of free agency. Jamie Collins went to, um, he went to Detroit and Kyle Van Noy, who, who developed a really, you know, outstanding three down linebacker. Uh, he signed with the, the Dolphins and as did it, Landon Robertson, you know, they're, they're playing tonight with the, uh, against the, the Jaguars. Um, so they, they, they lost a lot off that front seven, but they've plugged some holes with some younger guys and, uh, you know, so far so good, but th- these guys are definitely learning on the job in the front seven. Now through the years, one of the other trademarks of, of Belichick has, has been the success that he's had identifying and, and game planning to take out or erase a player from the opposing team. Now the Raiders offense has two very good players that have kind of stood out so far earlier in the season. That's tight end Darren Waller and running back Josh Jacobs. Do you expect Belichick to implement that type of game plan on one of these two guys this week? 
Yeah, I think, you know, it's kind of a great unknown when, when you look at the injury report this week and, and, and those guys haven't practiced yet. Um, I don't know what the severity of their injury is, but certainly they'll be preparing for them. Um, you know, we talked to uh, Coach Belichick earlier this week, and he, he couldn't say enough nice things about, about Waller. I mean, he, I, he thinks he's one of those, you know, throwback tight ends who can catch the ball and block. You know, there's, there's a lot of guys in this league who are kind of blocking specialists and, and other guys that are kind of pass catchers at the tight end position. And you, you really find that guy who's, who's so good at both uh, kind of the way Gronk was for years. And I think he holds Waller in that, in that class. So um, certainly he's caught their attention. And, you know, it's funny. I, we talked to Jawan Bentley, who was uh, the middle linebacker and, and kind of the defensive play call for the Patriots. And we asked him about uh, uh, Josh Jacobs and he just shook his head and said, that guy's an NFL running back. Um, and I think that the simplicity of that statement said it all and how much respect they have for him and how tough they think he is. So um, certainly those guys will be a challenge, but I think that they're, they're putting a lot of effort into the, the, the backup guys too, because they just don't know if those guys are going to be available to play this week. Right. Yeah. And, and Jacobs, Jacobs is, is injured with a, a hip. He, he suffered that injury in the game last week, but he did finish the game. So I think they're just kind of kind of taking it very, very easy with both of those players. But I would expect both of them to play. Now, the final question I have for you uh, before we wrap it up is, is about the, the pass rush for the Patriots. I, I see they do have three sacks through two games, but how has the pass rush looked and, and have they been able to get pressure on a consistent basis? You know, they, they they were able to get pressure more on a consistent consistent basis in week one when they were facing the Dolphins and, and Ryan Fitzpatrick, who was kind of your, you know, your prototypical drop back pocket passer. A uh, little bit more difficult against Russell Wilson, who's, you know, elusive and, you know, really knows when to get rid of the ball um, and is so slick. But, um, you know, they, they, they lost a lot. Last, they lost a lot last year with, with Van Noy leaving and Hightower opting out. So, uh, I don't think they've found completely the pieces yet to, to sustain a pass rush, but a guy like Chase Winovich is, is someone to keep your eye on. He was a pass rushing specialist last year, um, came in on third downs. Uh, and same with Dietrich Wise is another another guy that, that, that kind of plays in sub-packages, and he's, they're probably the two best pass rushers on the team. So those are guys to, to really look out for. Wise is kind of this um, really tall defensive end, really long arms, um, you know he's he's going to be the guy that 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 sustains the pressure, especially on third down and, and other passing downs. All right, Jim. Thanks again for your time. I appreciate you coming on with me. Take care, and and as always, keep up the good work. Thanks, Evan. Take care. All right, everybody. That was Jim McBride. Great job from him, giving us a nice little scouting report on the Patriots and really just two great spots tonight overall. I thought B.D. Williams did an excellent job of explaining some of the concepts that Paul Gunther likes to run with the Raiders defense, some of the things that the defense is doing well and some of the things that maybe they're not doing so well. So Raider Nation, you're all set for this weekend's game. Uh, you're primed. You're ready to go. And let, let's let's hope that the Raiders can can get the win. It would be great to see them get to that 3-0 and start because – the schedule is not going to get any easier. This is a very difficult stretch of games. Week four, it's Buffalo. Week five, Kansas City on the road. Week six, they're off for the bye, and then they come off the bye uh, with Tampa Bay and Cleveland. So, again, a big stretch of games here. It's going to be tough. It would be great to see the team win three games in a row here to build some momentum and some confidence as they go into that game with Buffalo next uh, in week four. 
All right, everybody, that is going to do it for this week's edition of the preview episode of Just Pod Baby. Uh, I want to thank everyone out there who tunes in each and every week. Also, those of you who subscribe to the show, I really do appreciate your support. Also, be sure to tune in to Silver and Black today if you don't already do that on a daily basis. I'll be sitting in for Q tomorrow. I'll be co-hosting the entire show with Scott, 2 to 4 Pacific time, 5 to 7 for the East Coast people. And as always, just win, baby.